1: Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to the COVID-19 Marketplace Awareness. Our broadcast is every Tuesday and Thursday, 12 noon Pacific. Please share it on your Facebook, share it on your uh, Instagram, whatever social channels you're on. And we are the place to keep you up to date what's going on in the market. Um, And specifically for you entrepreneurs who need to make money in this ever-changing time, come here with any questions you have and we will have the answers or know somebody Who does? And I continue to bring you also just amazing experts just from their insight and their perspective on what's going on in the market. Today, I have Faquan Bilal. He has founded NNG in 2012 with the principal mission of capitalizing on the growing supply of mortgage notes. In the interbank marketplace, so he is uh, has uh, a multi million dollar fund in alternative investing. He's an author, a father, a super guy, and uh, comes uh, live from Livingston, New Jersey today. So, how are you, Faquan?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, really thank you. It. Thanks
1: for being on the broadcast. So, tell us a little more about you. Like, uh, how do you get into this space? Is usually what everybody wants to know.
2: Yeah, everybody always say
1: by accident.
2: That actually is true. (laughs) I have a corporate background. I've always been in sales uh, all my life. Started off as actually, oddly, a telemarketer doing phone sales. (laughs) But long distance, can you believe it? I was the guy who would call your house and switch to long distance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
2: That's awesome. That's when... Who was it? AT and T, MCI. Remember that company, MCI? Yeah, I do. I don't know if you remember that. I'm showing my age right now, but so yeah, I I started off in sales. I did very successful, you know, with the position I had. They actually moved me to California, became a director of sales, ran large call centers, and um, then I came back to New Jersey and got into uh, more sales with a director of sales for a computer company. And this was back like uh, '96 to '98. Around '99, I started to shadow my cousin who was involved with real estate, just getting involved. My older brother, he was a mortgage broker. My cousin used to buy and sell properties, same age as me. So I started to shadow him around because it, it was interesting what he was doing. He was making what I was making for my salary, maybe in you know two deals. So <laughs> I had to shadow him around, and, and we were always competitive once mm-hmm. since we were younger, and seeing how the mechanics of it worked. You know, I took the leap of faith, and like Les Brown said, I jumped out the window and grew wings, flying down, and I uh, left my corporate job and started to get into the house looking business. And um, that was somewhere what around ninety nine.
1: What market uh, were you in? I actually got yeah, nineteen ninety nine was my millionaire year. When, uh, what market were you in?
2: Uh, we were in New Jersey, so we were in okay. New Jersey, just doing a uh, multifamily. When multifamily to me is anything from. Two to two or six family—that's multifamily, not the big hundred-unit buildings. You know, the two to six families we call those multifamily. Started, you know, buying, fixing, and selling those. And really, my strength was really to teach people how to buy houses. You know, how to repair their credit and and get an investment property. So I would do a lot of seminars, educational seminars, and teach people how to do that. And then those investors who had properties for sale you know, would sell these people properties and basically I learned that I was at the wrong end of the deal. (laughs) I needed to be the guy who sold the properties so I could make the real money. And once I started doing that I realized the power that you can do with real estate. One of the things that really resonated with me early on was the power to go back into my community and revitalize, you know, those you know, communities by fixing up the dilapidated properties. And that really gave me a sense of joy. Knowing I can go back, because I'm born and raised in North New Jersey, knowing that I can go back and, you know, make a difference. Yeah. So that's really got me excited in real estate.
1: That's awesome. Then how'd you get in the mortgage? That's just kind of morphed from there. Yeah. So from there, actually,
2: uh, again, by accident. So, you know, there's really no You know, there's a lot of It was never I, said I, accident. Accident. I wanted to do that. I stumbled across it, honestly. So, you know, I had a great mm-hmm. ride. From 99 all the way till about maybe 2006, things started to slow down for me a little bit. I still was doing deals, but I wasn't doing as many. I mean, I was doing 30, 40 deals a year, and that was big for me. I know some people now will do that in a month, but back then, you know, being a 26, 27-year-old kid, I mean, that was, that was a lot for me to do 30 deals a, a year. So, you know, 2006, when the market started to slow down a bit, this was before things were looming that, you know, there was going to be a crash. Things started to slow down a bit to me, and I was probably doing maybe 10 to 12 deals a year, which I was still grateful for. And then the market crashed. And once yep. the market crashed, I went through a personal financial hardship, was divorced. 85% of what I was doing was real estate. I had several other businesses. I was sprayed a little bit too thin all over the place, I had 54 employees, and really. You know
1: that tune? Um, Name that tune. I know that tune.
2: Yeah, it was, it was it was insanity. I mean, I thought I was on top of the world because I had all the nice cars and traveled and all the designer clothes and all the other BS that comes along with, you know, you think that you're on top. And I really didn't have a good foundation. And I was flipping properties. I didn't have cash flow. I didn't understand the importance of having rental properties or having cash flow from different sources. I had multiple streams of income from different businesses, but I was pulled apart in too many directions. I wasn't laser focused. And, you know, when the market collapsed my main source of income, which was real estate, you know, brought everything to, you know, to a halt. So I had to restructure, do some personal digging, and basically during that process, started to do short sales and then stumbled upon the note business by speaking to a short sale negotiator and say, Hey, why did you guys just buy the note? And we like, What? What is that? How do we do that? So yep. once we started to learn, you know, how the mechanics of that work, you know, I got into no business around two thousand eleven, uh, invested some of my own capital and uh, you know, did a year of doing that and made some great returns. Then yep. we're able to go to some of the investors that invested with me in real estate and created a fund and started raising capital to uh to buy notes and deal directly with the bank. And, and we've are, been doing are, that you know are since two thousand eleven.
1: So two thousand eleven you've been doing that. are you doing residential, you said and commercial? You still doing that too?
2: Uh, residential for real estate. Yes. There's residential anywhere from one to right now, I think the largest unit I have is a 10 unit building and that's only local in New Jersey. So the real estate we do is local to us where I have the relationships. I've been doing it for 20 years. So I know people in the town or for the inspectors, you know, they know me from being in the business for a long time. So we only invest in five counties in the state of New Jersey, Northern New Jersey, where I'm at. And, um, the no business is nationwide. You know, we deal with banks directs, we buy pools. So uh, sometimes certain banks will let us cherry pick if the pool is small enough or we're dealing with a broker. Um, But the most part, we have to take down the whole pool. So the notes are national and the, um, you know, across the U.S. and the real estate is local to us in New Jersey.
1: So let's like get present to COVID, right? March hits. Tell me what kind of happened in your world and what you had to do to adjust. And let's just talk about like the market in general, what you're seeing from New Jersey and then across the country? Yeah, it was pretty
2: interesting. Um, so I would say around about November of last year, I started to really speak to a lot of my investors and I was heading in a different direction anyway. I started buying properties off market, going to tax lien auctions, you know, which was, was a way yeah. for me to get properties at a discount instead of just going to regular MLS, right? So a lot of people was doing sell direct and everything else. And I was trying to figure out ways on how to be in a different, playing field than everyone else. So I started to go to a lot of the tax auctions and get with the townships and was very successful with that. And I I kind of came up with a concept that I trademarked. is called diversified hybrid real estate investing. And to me, what that means is having different asset classes in the same fund. So if I have notes in the fund and the same fund has real property, which consists of rentals or properties that I will fix and flip. And the flips would be stuff that won't create a yield drag, stuff that needs low repair costs that I can get in and out, get on the market quickly and turn around. So I started to pitch this concept to some of my current investors, and they were like, "That's great because my capital will be safe if I have my capital secured by different types of assets instead of one asset." So we went with that, and we created a fund, and and we got the chance to test it during COVID because you know if you were a multifamily operator, the guy who runs the big building, when COVID hit, everybody was running for the hills trying to figure out if their tenants were going to pay rent. That was the only source of income they had was that rental income. So they had to prepare and make sure they put together a plan to, you know, make those collections, you know, yeah. be able to pay the investors. And a lot of those people started putting money in reserves and stopped paying investors because they didn't know which direction it was going to go. If you were a private lender... During that time, you stopped lending on deals or you made your lending requirements stricter. You started to hold one year worth of reserves instead of two months worth of reserves. The landscape of everything changed. What we noticed was because we had, and we didn't come out unscathed, you know, we had some delinquencies with rentals and notes also, but by having a balance of different assets in a fund, we made a greater return versus if we would have had just one asset class in the fund. So it was sort of like a buffer or a hedge against yep any market uncertainty. And we did very well uh, during Q1 and Q2. So I was really grateful that we kind of pivoted to that concept before COVID even happened, or even with the thought, you know, we knew something was coming because the market was too good for so long. Yeah. And we knew something was coming we were trying to figure out ways on how to protect our investors, you know, how to raise capital in a vehicle that won't get hurt from any market uncertainty. So, yeah, um, the market now is is on fire. I can't believe it. I've been in the business twenty years and I've never seen a market like this. It's so
1: crazy. So, so I want to just I clarify when you it's say it's market. A- I'm sorry, I'm going to clarify. So, when you say market, are we talking stock market? Is we teach all alternative, you know, asset classes. So, from and not in a fund. I mean, we do funds, but a lot of people have straight gas and oil, you know, marijuana projects. I mean, lots of alternatives. So, our whole community is very aware of that so when you say market though are you talking real estate mortgage oh debt? real
2: estate markets okay. yeah i'm a, I, oh, I'm a real estate guy 100 so our market here in new jersey and other affordable home markets ohio and other areas where you know yeah. values are, are smaller the markets are on fire uh there's a pent-up demand in the market we saw people pulling their house off the market during covid Afraid to let people in. There was a shortage of inventory, which, you know, is creating this huge demand right now. It's unbelievable. I'll give you an example. I put 18 properties on the market. I listed them. And within two weeks, I got 12 contracts. That's awesome. Within two weeks. Two weeks. I'm like, wow, I've never. Is, it, is that mostly residential?
1: Is it mostly residential? Those are,
2: those are all residentials. Yes. Yeah. All residential. We That's were seeing awesome. that in the owner-occupied market. So that that's where it's going. People who yeah. want to buy our properties to live in, people who live in those big apartment buildings, who are looking for a house with a backyard, privacy, space because of COVID. Yeah. You know, they want to be you know all on top of people in a building. A lot of people migrated awesome. from New York to New Jersey, so New Jersey is becoming the you know the next New York essentially.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, what are you seeing in New York? Um, are people? I've heard it, uh, they're also moving down to the Carolinas. So what do you what are you seeing just in that kind of collective market?
2: Yeah, people are moving out in droves. I mean, I don't blame them. They got hit really hard. And that was a wake-up call for a lot of people who were saying, hey, listen, we can actually move, pay less rent. We probably have to travel a little bit more by train. But, you know, we'll be in the area. We move to Delaware. We move to, you know, other places. We can still travel to New York and still commute and get the benefits of New York, but live an hour or an hour and a half away. We don't yeah. have to be in the city, so a lot of people are moving over to Jersey, which we're the closest in droves, and uh, that's given us our rents are increasing over here now because people are willing to pay more, which is beneficial to you know the mom and pop landlords and other people who own rentals.
1: Yep. What are you seeing? Uh, so a lot of our folks obviously are investors. What are you seeing in uh, the markets there? Like we're doing, as a lot of our folks know, we're doing ground up horizontal to vertical builds in Boise. Huge demand. Again, same thing. California is moving out as fast as it can. And uh, I think all actually all all down that that first state over, right? From Boise to, you know, Reno, Las Vegas, uh, Phoenix, all just getting massive, uh, you know, just a huge boom, huge boom. It's awesome. Are you seeing the same kinds of things? You. Yeah,
2: we are seeing a lot of ground-up opportunities. Actually, um, because there's not any available product on a multiple listing, what investors are doing now is they're pivoting to buying lots and doing new construction, you know, build-to-rent oh. scenario. We're seeing a huge surge in that. People are doing build-to-rent, and, uh, you know, the lot sales are now becoming the next best thing people are going after. A lot of it was the vacant properties. Then we had, you know, the people just really coming in and buying up a lot of that stuff and doing bigger developments, bigger apartment buildings instead of the single family stuff. So, yeah, we definitely seen a lot of some of the same thing.
1: What do you see and uh, kind of give some prediction? Uh, you know, I think this is going to go on for a while, even through the election. It's the one, you know, big asset class that's not going to be touched, although retail and, you know, large commercials. So what do you think is going to happen in Manhattan? I mean, we're uh, like, are you seeing people moving out? Obviously businesses are closed what's some prediction in the commercial and retail side well Manhattan is
2: definitely always going to be Manhattan in my eyes I mean people (laughs) are still going to want to travel and hang out in Manhattan that's always going to be one of the top cities like you know San Fran and the rest of these places so I mean I I think Manhattan is going to take a decline but it's going to stand strong there's a lot of money there so that's where the money is going to be at a lot of you know international people are moving in who, you know, their dollar is stronger than ours. So, you know, you have a lot of players there. So I just think that it is going to be a place where people can afford it will live. Yeah. As far, as far as vacancies, I don't really... I see them having... You know, it was a while before they were... It was Rents have, have definitely went down a little bit. They get in some, some rent compression there on, on what they can charge. They're trying to put in laws and everything of rent control. So... You know, a lot of stuff is going to change. Like you said, when the election yeah. comes, we'll see what's what. Um, but Manhattan will always be Manhattan. I mean, it's the areas outside of Manhattan that were coming up, like Queens and stuff like that. We're still, I'm still, uh, you know, part of a lot of real estate groups. where guys are still doing deals and I'm not hearing anything about stuff slowing down or coming to a halt. Like it was the doom and gloom, you know, pre-COVID, you know, well, during the earlier stages when no one knew what was going, going on. I would have never predicted what we're seeing now. I mean, I thought it was going to be all downhill from, like, the mid-March all the way into an abundance of this inventory that was going to come Q2 of next year. But it's just like the can is just being kicked down the road.
1: Well, and don't you think a lot of that's because of the mortgage rates?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, the banks are making it more affordable. and We we have inflation that's going to, you know, be the next thing, the next hurdle. Yep. But, I mean, is this going to be snowball? There's so many evictions that are, like, looming. I mean, now that they lift the moratoriums from a lot of states, we'll get to see the telltale signs, um, you know, in the next up-and-coming months. We just need a 90-day cycle uh, once these moratoriums are lifted in foreclosure and eviction to really kind of get a real sense of where things are going to be. The banks are creating programs for landlords, you know, not to be they tenants and allow them to refinance and do a lot of stuff, but you know a lot of that stuff has strings attached. So, a lot um, of we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes.
1: So, speak to that a little bit, actually, for the learning of the call. Uh, when you say some of them have strings attached, kind of teach those out there that haven't done that yet what that is. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, there's Fannie and Freddie. I mean, they have. Uh, you definitely want to read what they requesting of you if you're doing. Uh, if you were participating in some of those programs that they have for landlords now that were not able to pay their rent because of the tenants, it was like a ripple effect. Tenants don't yep. pay rent. The mom-and-pop landlords, the landlords can't pay the mortgage companies. So the, the the landlords were saying, where's our relief? We're giving the relief to the tenants, putting these moratoriums, the government is giving all the stimulus money. What about the landlords? You know, you're saying we can't evict. So the lenders started to come out with products and programs to allow them to refinance you know, with certain restrictions, you know, you can't put the tenant out and there's a lot of things in it you want to read and you only want to use the money if you need it. A lot of people go and do these refinances just to get into a lower interest rate um, and make the term longer when they almost finished paying off the mortgage. So you just want to read the fine line and see that if this is something that is beneficial to you and what your plans are and pretty much go from there. I don't know all of the programs out there by heart, but I do know that especially if you're signing something that's related to, you know, restrictions on how long you must keep that tenant in. You can't evict the tenant for a certain amount of time. You, know, you want to read those restrictions to make sure that you're not caught up in any of that when you you know, go for that refinance and get the money.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So any other uh, kind of insights to what you see in uh, the market? What about businesses uh, around your area? Are businesses falling down? They're falling down in droves here. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of the
2: restaurants, you know, having a lot of the retail stuff. Like you go, you drive up and down the highways, you know, you drive through certain areas, businesses are still closed. A lot of businesses didn't make it to the other side. A lot of businesses, businesses that you were like, wow, they didn't have reserves for six months. Wow. You got the telltale signs of seeing, you know, who really was businesses that were just not, I guess, doing business the right way. Well, not the right way. They didn't have any reserves. They couldn't last. They were doing month to month. They were just surviving. And COVID really pushed a lot of people out, especially like in the inner city. You know, when I drop through these areas now, a lot of the small mom and pops definitely didn't make it. A lot of the beauty salons and stuff like that, you see their doors are closed. And these were operators who were living month to month. So there's a lot of, a lot of those businesses were flushed out, which is creating vacancies in commercial space you know, which a lot of is impacting a lot of the landlords who run those mixed-use properties. So we're seeing a lot of that and looking at where that commercial paper is going to wind up at once they fall delinquent. I've had a lot of note pools end up on my desk uh, for commercial properties. I had recently, where I lost the bid on it, it was 126 units, which was Mm -hmm. about 18 different properties, you know, that consisted of six families, uh, 12 units, you know, mixed-use stuff. You know, they were trying to get rid of it for about 13 million. And the cash flow is only like $82,000 a month. And, um, you know, it can get up to one hundred and twenty-six. They had a lot of vacancies. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of stuff like that come to the market now because of what happened with COVID. It's just pushed a lot of people into a different position.
1: Yeah. So, one, if people want to uh, get your book or follow you, um, how do they uh, follow you as you uh, continue to weave through this amazing market that we're in?
2: Oh, sure. I have actually a free book. The last book I've, I wrote is uh, called Passion for Real Estate Investments. It kind of talks about my journey uh, in the real estate business where I got started to date and the types of assets I invested in and why I chose those assets. So you can get that actually. I have just a free book for the listeners on your show. I have yeah. a link for you. And also, the uh, you can find me on Amazon. would love to get, for those of you who get the free book, to leave a comment on Amazon. Um, I, I'm on Instagram a lot.
1: <laughs>
2: it's at, at Fuquan Bilal. And, um, you know, I have a podcast also, co. You can catch me there. I'm pretty much anywhere online. I kind of made my, my digital footprint and put a lot into that because I know, you know, that's where most of everyone is at. And I like to connect with people, Facebook or wherever. So, um, you know, they can find me anywhere. They type my name in, Fuquan Bilal, on YouTube, Facebook, any one of the plat- platforms. and and they can communicate with me there.
1: Awesome. And uh, we'll uh, make sure all those, uh, those links will stay in the chat uh, as uh, people get them. And uh, again, thanks for your insight, thanks for your update. Um, look forward to staying in touch with you, especially on the notes. We've had a lot of uh, you know, folks in different strategies in real estate, but we haven't anybody talk about notes, and uh, it's a different strategy that you know those who don't want to deal with the tenants. I mean, indirectly they will, but uh, they don't have to deal with them direct. So it's a great strategy. I've been doing it for years. So thank you. Yeah, I, love the, yeah, oh, I the, love the note business.
2: Best investment, yeah, the best investment strategy in the universe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for being on. Appreciate your insights and uh, we'll be back in touch.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And so those of you watching, uh, this was pre-recorded for today. I need the notes uh, in the chat. Thomas and our team will be taking care of as well. Make sure um, you continually like stay up to date, share this broadcast and stay up to date on our upcoming events. We just had a graduate marketplace. Thomas will inform you a little bit more about that. And coming up is our virtual meetup and marketplace for those of you that have not graduated, not attended the course, which will be August 12, 13, 14. highest priority for everybody. Learn to make money, be able to do it anywhere at any time. It's the teach you to fish model that you will never, ever starve again once you learn our technique. So make sure you join us. And if you've already joined us, uh, be an affiliate and refer more people to it. We want to pack these every month. and get more and more people in the world making money on a regular basis. And again, once you graduate, we will have marketplaces on a monthly basis. So you guys have a place to come back and make some cash. If you are in the big table, we are coming up very quickly on our Boise trip. Uh, it is on. We are all on our way there. We need to know if you are for sure coming. It cannot be a maybe. So do not take a seat. Between now and the end of the year, we have two live events, one in Boise and then in October in Kansas City. We only have 90 seats available. That's right, nine zero. So if you're going to both, you're taking two seats, which is fine. You need to be there. So these are not casually taken I uh, was pushing my team to even make it like a, a flake fee. If you don't show up, you're going to get charged. They don't want to do it, so we're trusting that you will have high integrity when you book that ticket and make sure that you show up in Boise or in Kansas City, whichever one is uh, best for you. So uh, as we move through next week, we're going to shift it up a little. I have uh Doctrine and Kelly Corsick having a market update in the health area from a world-leading doctor, and then from Kelly, obviously, on the markets and in cryptocurrencies. We're going to have a double update on that. And then next week, uh, we'll also be talking about the Phoenix, uh, actually the Arizona market, how that's uh, doing down there, and just kind of keep tabs on where the markets are. And the week after, we're going to get into some uh, very, very interesting uh, AI right? Artificial intelligence. Not only how is it being used for the market, how is it being used on you? Very interesting. So we have a lot of extraordinary recordings coming up on the broadcast. Mark it to your calendar. Take this little phone right here and say Tuesday, Thursday, every like, you know, 11.55, have your alarm go off. Say, oh my gosh, I have to go listen to Laurel and her team. And we'll see you back. Thanks.